Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Without Context podcast. Uh, I'm Shark. Uh, I'm Decca. I'm joined by Sharky Hat. Wow, I fucked that up. Identity uh, theft is not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you had right. one job, Decca. Uh, I am. Jo- we're joined here today by by Fennin. Yeah, they're uh, back. Uh, they're back. back now that Remnant is out, and we can stop like. Thank goodness, well, I've had more than 15 minutes to stand in no, one we've, place. God, I'm having... We oh. had them back to talk about Remnant. Uh, I think after the announcement trailer, we mm-hmm. had them yeah. on the previously also to talk game design in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Couldn't be they, too specific back then for yeah, NDA reasons. NDA reasons, we talked about Haunted PS1 in that community and some of the stuff that you know came out of that. But we have them back to just talk more game dev. Especially now... Uh, Remnant 2's been out, uh, the DLC has been released, and yeah. Just... Yeah, we uh, we released the Awakened King in, uh, I believe, October, and uh, most recently we were actually nominated for Best Action at the Game Awards, which was like, oh my god. You, you oh, know, you, I, I did my part. I was yeah, angry. I, did. I, I really appreciate the support over the, over the god years now, but it, it, there's something, there's something like I, I don't even know, I don't have words yet for the feeling of, like, seeing your first studio release, you know, rocket to the top of Steam release charts and, and uh, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with people who are legends in your industry and have been yeah. working at their craft for, like, you know, so long to, you know, have your kind of first try at it, I guess. Um not you know not the studios obviously but mine personally you know be this well regarded has been like so fulfilling for me as a developer uh and i it, god I, I like our our community is amazing and the response has been amazing and i i i'm i'm overwhelmed with like gratitude and it's been humbling god i'm yeah, just going on and we, on. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible what we what's were your favorite meme from from your community for for remnant so far i uh Every time we have a meeting, there's there's just there's a ton of egg themed items in our game, and for whatever reason, anytime one comes up in a meeting, I just I've just started giggling. I I just like the the word egg just sets me off. Wasn't because... there something with the patch? It was a uh, I think it was something from an interview. It's like yeah, we don't give you like three eggs or something, and then like yeah, a patch came out, and then. Slices and a participation trophy, trophy. And, and then uh, you guys got... now consumable items in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it was like uh, there's an update and it gave you three horn slices and a, it gave you three horn slices. I was like, that's really funny. Well, did, you, uh, did you manage to did you find the other? Did you find the other part of that? No, I've uh, I've been slowly going back. I forgot that I had finished a campaign and I was in the middle. I had restarted one. Cause I was like, oh, like I want, uh, I want to get to, I want to get to Awakening King, and then I was like, cool, what's, where am I at in this like new playthrough? And it's like, cool, I, I am in Loathsome. I just need to finish this, and I can get to the DLC. <laughs> and it's the other route that I didn't have in my first playthrough, so I'm like trying to figure out that side of it now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been really it's been really cool for me to watch as people are, um, uh, you know, playing through it for the first time because I feel like it kind of is this two stage process where you play through it and you're like, oh man, that was great. And then you talk to your friend about it for the first time and you're like, what? I never saw that boss. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's cr- You know, like like you like what what game were you playing? And then you go talk to a third guy and that guy didn't even end up on the same planet as you guys to start off. Uh, yeah, it's like I started yeah, somewhere exactly. new entirely. That's why 
we so were talking to I, it before I, I recording knew about that going into it you know we we proceduralize so much of it that everybody's adventure statistically is you know about as close to unique as it could get yeah and we were talking about it before we started recording too the people who on day one were like yeah we 100 percented it it's like did not absolutely did not <laughs> like, there are uh there are people in our hardcore tester group that we that we like kind of manage as developers and, and work with and shout out to them because they are uh unbelievably hard workers and uh do some incredible work for our theory crafting and and the 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 like lifespan of our game uh just amazing amazing people but um you know they they what were we oh, shoot sorry i lost my train of thought what were we talking about <laughs> You know, we're, you're talking about the uh, testers and all that. Uh, uh, testers are amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's it's wild to me because these, uh, you know, a lot of these, like, you know, people who, who spend so much of their, their free time playing this game and, and combining items and trying to break things, um, a lot of them still don't have a file with 100% of the items. They still don't have, you know, the full picture. They're... Um, you know, devs, I don't think any of us have like a hundred percent of everything on our, our fi- like personal files just yeah. because there's so many permutations and, and new places that you can go, even in rooms you've already explored and dungeons that might not have been there the last time. And it was, it's just, it, it, it's, I, oh God, I, I'm a giant nerd about game design and there's just so much for me to like absolutely gawk at in terms of the design that was done by the team. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like my dream first project because of how much I've been able to learn from yeah. the people I made it with. It's. Well, it got me, what got me about it is like me and my friend, me and my friends were playing and we usually play together and I had landed on the sci-fi planet first. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten, yeah. I had gotten what I call path a, which is me dealing with the big frog thing at the end. Mm-hmm. And then the, yeah. they got the other path and I was like, cool. And then I was thinking about it, I was like, there's more to this. So it's like, cool. Which boss do I finish now to get one of these weapons? I'm going to have to play through this again mm-hmm. to get the other mm-hmm. thing. So I'm going to yeah. have to play this game multiple times to 100% this game. It, it's wild that you cannot 100% like, on a single playthrough. Until at least your fourth playthrough. Yeah. At least four. And that's if you roll perfectly statistically. There's so much more than just those two runs worth of, you know, like... Yeah, because path A, path B, it's like path A, path B, and then it's like, do you go path A1 or path A2? Mm -hmm. Like, And I'm just like, oh, this game's going to be a hyper-fixation for years for me. (laughs) Rather than, like, trying to reward, you know, like, rather than trying to kind of push a narrative by allowing a player to make ambiguous choices that don't really affect the story that much, we've just said, okay... Both of these decisions are valid. Let's see where things go from there. <laughs> Just... And depending on how you act through the story and the decisions that you make either consciously or, you know, through your actions, you get a different reward. So it, 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 it's almost like the game and, and like what items you have at the end of your first playthrough is as much based on you as a player as it is on that kind of, I guess like uh like random chance element uh, yeah you know so like by the end of my fir- you know third playthrough or, or something you know let, let's just say 10 for the sake of argument 
you know, the choices that I've made and the dialogue decisions that I've gone through, if I've been consistent in the way that I acted, the set of items that I have is going to be completely different from a different player. Yeah. So when you go online with people, the likelihood of someone having acted differently than you in a situation or maybe even return to a place that you hadn't previously means that they're more likely to have an item that you don't have. You are motivated to play with strangers. Yeah. It's, a... it's, it's, it's this like amazing way to just form this community based around helping each other that I don't know that we would have formed if we had kind of uh, shot for like a more PvP focused game. Yeah, and that's what got me. Uh, I was playing through with friends. I was like, we're in the labyrinth and I'm like, there's this platform here that I just can't reach. So I'm missing, I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. And looking through it and like going through it, I was like, okay, I'm finding this whole new route through this. And I can tell yeah. on the map that there's a route through this. Now, what are, how do I get up there? And then going up there, it's like, here's how I get into the tanker room that I was confused about four days ago. Like, <laughs> and it was just that, it's that sense of exploration where I'm like, oh, here's how I get here. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I actually, I, that is one of my favorite secrets in the whole, like, I guess, main game progression. Yeah. Um, but it's funny for me as a developer, because, you know, uh, the way I always explain kind of my involvement in the process to people is that I know what's in the game, just not where, how to get there or what it means. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so to, I, 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 we have almost 300 trinkets at this point, I think. Yeah, and to specify uh, for that, you're mostly weapon uh, design, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, you don't, uh, you don't uh, have, and you don't have like any knowledge of like level design or any anything like that to a real extent, right? Well, it's it's just not really my responsibility inside of the space. Yeah. It's also not definitely not my specialty. You know, I, I've you know over the course of my career mostly been working on uh, player progression and uh, I guess like player abilities arsenal. Uh, if you can swing it, shoot it, eat it, or wear it is usually the way I, I kind of explain it to people. I have to ask. I have to ask. Did you have a hand in making the nanite gun? Which one's the nanite gun? The one that fires like the cloud of. Nanites for oh, like it's all fire. The one where the that's tall rod in like, space and it opens like this. Yes, it's like a it's I, like I a flamethrower. I mained that weapon my whole campaign. I'm so glad Nebula is one of my personal favorites. Uh, I was the like, design changed a lot over the course of production, and what we ended up with was honestly so streamlined from where it started. Yeah, uh, it, I, I love that thing. That, uh, I didn't I didn't script the mod though, just the uh, the kind of clouding behavior on the primary fire. Yeah, the nanite swarm on top of my other weapons, like firing bullets, like did so much damage. It beat so many bosses for me in this game. As I'm like running around trying to stay alive, this nanite swarm is just have you killing a boss. With, uh, ritualist, out of curiosity, I know it doesn't have like the base elemental damage buff. Or I think I've on. Um, I think it's in my inventory, but mm -hmm. I haven't uh, started using if it. If you like the Nebula playstyle, that kind of you know seek and destroy, let you know let your your guys take care of it for you. I would definitely give Ritualist a try. Uh, I personally really enjoy uh, playing Ritual. Like Ritualist has been the thing that I've been playing. Uh, mostly like when I test. Oh, the class. No, I haven't gotten the. Yeah, I haven't gotten the class I would definitely yet. Definitely see if you can get your hands on it because it is. Uh, ooh, it's a good time. I, yeah, but I mean, a Nebula. Is, I think in recent memory, like it's one of my favorite game weapons. Like it's just so fun to use. <laughs> like so. Oh god, it's it's satisfying too. I I love it, and uh, especially with the the spread stuff from the primary fire, where it's like if a guy dies, 
yeah it spreads yeah it like blows up and spreads so you've got that plus again you know if you play ritualist you've got vile which means it's now exploded onto every guy nearby (laughs) and then but just watching people come up with these like crazy gear combinations that like were completely unintended by us as developers just because we don't you know have time to like you know be like oh is this combination better than this combination like you know as much as we would need to to keep up with the meta and like outpace the meta um you know so seeing people come up with these uh you know there's a lot of folks over on youtube who will um you know devote entire you know 20 20 minute segments to just putting together a build and playing through the story on apocalypse just to show how busted it is yeah and i mean like, there are there's channels that's, that's like that's their there's that. channels that are there's channels where it's like that's their channel that's like here's mm-hmm. how we're breaking remnant today <laughs> like yeah and it's it's cool because it's all you know it's all in good faith it's not like these yeah. people are, are complaining about a game that is like frustrating for them it's just oh hey you know we didn't think of that like and you know for us as as designers it's like it's not only like oh you know how can we make it so that we you know wouldn't ever need to adjust a system in the future so that it i guess feels like a nerf when we're just fixing things uh versus uh you know having thought about that already by the time it you know ships and and being like hey um you don't have that problem anymore because i thought of it here's three fun ways that you can play with what i what i left behind because that's the fun parts yeah you know what i mean so then you 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 shave that down to size you standardize it and then you make a bunch of uh, a bunch of items that are relevant to that new mechanic and all of a sudden boom the game's even better yeah. You know, so we we love seeing this kind of commitment to our game because we we love it the same way that these people clearly do. So I don't know. It's just very fulfilling for me as a designer to see that level it, of commitment. Does it feel kind of like um, when you know the game developers watch the the speedrunners play uh, and they're like, "Holy shit! I didn't think about that <laughs> one." I I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I am such a huge uh, speedrun viewer. Um, I don't know if there's like a like a word for for speedrun enthusiast. Zoomer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Oh my god, me. We're taking um, it back. <laughs> like... Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's 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 happening. Unlike <laughs> Fetch, that is most certainly happening. But um, yeah, it was interesting because I, I watched. Um, I, what I guess at the time was the world record, which I think was a little over an hour recently. As uh, Remnant Two, yeah. Um, what the IGN, <laughs> IGN does this series where they where they yeah, bring I've seen developers that. into the studio and they'll have them like watch the speed run and be like, "Oh man, I never thought about it. It's it's crazy yeah. how you know these completely unintended to be you know com- like combined mechanics get you know essentially ground against each other and and and." push the limits of the of the the engine so you know as a designer it's a really cool opportunity for me to engage with uh i guess these you know like all different kinds of players and 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 uh i guess kind of see how the uh the things shake out because that's the that's the really neat thing and i i don't i i kind of want to like take an opportunity to talk about this if i can because i think about it a lot um it's a, it's a really interesting proposition that you see in modern RPGs in particular, where game designers are more confident in leaning on the collective ability to, I guess, analyze a system that is present in, uh, 
you know, fan communities, but more specifically the kind of folks who, like, keep spreadsheets with, uh, I guess, frame data and things like that. You know, people who will, uh, you know, sit there and shoot at a... Yeah, shoot, you know, will shoot at a dummy for hours and hours and hours just to, like, get the right amount of statistical data to assess, like changes in crit rate to make sure that you know numbers are what they are what they say they are on the screen um you know that is the kind of thing that uh i can't speak for other designers of course but i personally find really really inspiring because uh you know the reason that i i kind of got into making games in the first place is that i was really inspired when i was young by you know the games that i was playing playstation playstation 2 stuff like that um, as well as uh, Flash games as, as well, because that was one of the big things that made me really want to like get into making games myself. Um, you know, but it's amazing to see the the way that uh, you know YouTubers and and news outlets and journalists and reviewers and and uh, uh, you know streamers and uh, publicists and influencers all just have this. Uh, incredible web of of i guess i guess um I, I i guess i guess you would kind of more commonly call them opinions but when it comes down to it you know games are so young as a format and the technology is developing so quickly that you know these design principles need to be reassessed you know yeah. it, like like we or at least again i you know I, i'm speaking you know for myself but i look back at my career in, in micro indie so often when I'm, I'm feeling stuck on, on, you know, stuff for remnant. Like it's, it's, it's amazing to me how much my, you know, I'll go, I'll go and play a game now that I haven't thought about in a really long time. And I'll be like, you know, Oh, the way that I remember such and such thing from this game that I played years ago is completely different than how it actually is. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well I like my thing better. And then I think about it for a minute and I'm like, wait, that's that's literally my job. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, there's this. Uh, there's always this. Like I always hear these like lazy game designer arguments, and I, I think that that is uh, personally something that I, like I rarely take in good faith. Just because it's I, I don't know any lazy game designers. I I don't know anybody in my field who is here because like unless they are like a thousand percent committed to being a like you don't become a game designer for no reason. I guess it's not. It's not. Well, like, yeah, it's 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 not nothing, right? You have to you have to like it's a grind. Yeah, like you have to no, really and it's grind at it. You have to learn a, at least a language, like a programming mm -hmm. language, to do so. It does, or even just it, like a visual script or whatever. But visual, like, like me trying to learn RPG Maker, mm -hmm. it's like re going through everything. Like I've never looked at Ruby in my life, mm -hmm. and I was starting back on. I liked the little VX bit of Ruby that I did. I remember like I was working back on RPG Maker VX, and I was like mm -hmm. this. I can get this with enough time and then, mm -hmm. you know, going into my job where I worked on, you know, PHP and HTML and CSS and everything. It's like, mm. I could probably learn a gaming language. It, it would take me some time, but it's not easy. So it, I, I mean, respect people like, that can do it. The like, neat thing about it is I feel like nowadays, especially uh, with like, you know, people who've been through these boot camps and things like that and have the skill set that I guess most people would kind of consider the baseline level of you know aptitude when it comes to like technical skills uh i think that you're gonna see a lot more you know common advancements in 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 i guess like crowdsource technology just because you know people are frustrated with all having to use the same engine and i almost wonder if that'll mean like a shift away from c plus plus as a as a format because most i think modern game engines as far as i know are either c plus plus or some variant 
Um, you know, so the idea of, of uh, game design, I guess, maybe someday getting its own kind of, you know, syntax and, and constructed language that's built, you know, for the things that it needs to do and wouldn't be held back by, you know, the focus of, of other modern languages might be really interesting. But for now, I mean, if you're interested, if you're interested in a career in game design from the, the design side, from the especially from the, like, computer side of things, one of the best things you can do for yourself is just learn your programming fundamentals like as well as you can because uh faking it until you make it is really not a thing in games uh unless your goal is to make money oh, sorry i should rephrase if your goal is to make uh like is is 100% to make the best game that you can uh it, it's it's going to like require you being more committed to it than an average job. I guess, oh, I, I guess. absolutely. I, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there, like mid-sentence, but... That's fine. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, like, it's so rewarding, personally, but it's one of those, you know, it, it, it like, balances itself out by just being incredibly stressful and, uh, uh, you know, being something that, like, you know, I, I love seeing the players just, like, ex work through the problems that my... The, the design work that we did i guess poses and th and that's amazing but there's there's something really it, it's like a fascinating experience to have designed something uh a certain way and have someone just completely not get it and i feel yeah. like those experiences are just as important to learn from as uh i guess you know why something you did felt good as well because you know it, like good and fun are not always the, the same thing when it comes to games and sometimes like a doofy combination is really fun to use and is terrible so you want to do a challenge run with it yeah you know law of averages there's gonna be a terrible combination of items in every single rpg uh so why wouldn't you just try and make those bad combinations as fun as possible or if i can bring it up like sometimes yeah go for it sometimes the like least optimal way of doing something mm. is also the funnest way, which is why oh, they yeah. put in the achievement for just mm. doing plasma cutter runs on dead space right from the get go. It's like, hey, we're going to give you 10 or they, like they 10 different weapons. Out. And it's like, but this plasma cutter is literally all you need in this game. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that that's one of the really interesting things about it uh, that I've been noticing with the way that communities are kind of forming around games these days. And it's like. Um, you know, I, I personally fell out of playing, you know, multiplayer games for a very long time because I was playing oh, them same. with the kinds of people who just, like, made me not want to play them. A lot of yelling, a lot of just, like, toxicity. Not, just not a fun time. Um, right. But I, I'm finding that the communities that I'm, I'm like, diving into more nowadays are uh, stuff like speedrunning where it's, it's the competition isn't the point, I guess. The, the point is the skill expression and it's the shared yeah. experience of like finding a way to like tic-tac over a wall or something like that uh you know together in a in a discord chat so you're starting to see this um you know these communities pop up around single player games that are you know a, a, you know at the end of the day like a kind of like skill expression uh i guess coalition because it's it's not yeah. even really a competitive process um there's a friendly the there's you, a, you, yeah it's like there's a friendly like a, competition process yeah it's like you're still trying to, you're yeah. still trying to get that record but at the same time you know it's like hey guys i found out there's mm -hmm. this time skip and then you share that exactly. so now everybody else exactly. is a step ahead mm -hmm. also 
Because when it comes down to it, the goal is to advance the run. Yes. And when you discover a secret, it helps everybody because then maybe that if they can take that and find three more secrets using that same tech. I, I love sharpens iron. I love Summon Assault, dude. A Reddit like, speedrunner very badly and just like learn how all of our tech works. And this is I, why fascinating to me. This is why I love watching Summoning Assault videos mm -hmm. on speedrunning. Oh, he's so just, comfy. I love his. It's just he's so comfy. It's like for an hour and a half. I'm just like cheering. I'm like, come on, man, you can get this two seconds off this run. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you're like, you're nah, hoping the, the, the editing. Oh my god, it's, it's just, so good. It's just so good. Um, internet, internet filmmaking is like a is like a whole different art than oh, absolutely anything yeah. that's come before it. I love YouTube. Uh, I want to YouTube kid. I want to pivot back to something that we had talked mm -hmm. about earlier. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, people finding out these systems that take the engine to its limit while, you know, mm -hmm. doing all this stuff. And it's like, oh, this is a fun combination. We didn't predict this to work mm -hmm. like this together. Part. What's your Love thought? It. What's your opinion on, like, what should devs do for that? Because I'm going to speak for my time playing Destiny. Mm -hmm. Whenever somebody found an optimal thing in Destiny 2, whenever it was like, hey, this is how these mods interact now, it's this huge, like, boost to everything. People can just run through all these activities, and then they're like, we're going to nerf it into the ground. Yeah. So, um, so I, I am in a, uh, I'm going to say a different, it's like an apples and oranges comparison when yeah. it comes to Destiny as a game. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's online. Like, it is, uh, it does affect players too is not just yeah. the environmental uh challenge yeah exactly and that's that's where i was actually going with that and and i think that that's that i, I i've never personally played destiny it's just not oh um, I've, st I've stopped it's yeah <laughs> it's I, I me have, like, strong opinions i just uh like i've yeah. never been like a like a live service gamer it's just it's not the kind of the kind of I project that i follow but yeah. um but uh you know oh shoot what were we talking about destiny um Oh yeah, in, ter in terms of like the the, ner the what you were what you were saying yeah. in terms of like how do you maintain an ecosystem without nerfing things into the ground? Um, yeah, I uh, again can't speak for uh, yeah you know any other case than my own just because I, I I don't know what it's like to be in you know this is my first office job, um, <laughs> but it, it you know it's been it's been really interesting for me kind of watching um, I guess like. Older games. Uh, hold on, sorry, I have an itch inside my nose. Um, I like I said, I can't speak for any any other developer than myself because you know, like like everybody's got their own own spin on things. But like for me, anyway, uh, I I very much feel that one of the the best ways to kind of keep a game's momentum going and to uh, I, I, I guess create an environment where the player is able to you know have those continual like. Like the in my opinion, the goal should always be to create memorable moments instead of an even ride. I guess yeah. if, if that makes sense. It does. Considering our game is largely procedural, I think that focusing on those kind of individual, I guess we call them like points of interest, has allowed us to kind of, I guess, uh, the way you'd think of it in, in like a movie scene where it's like you know you you have a scene transition where a guy goes around the corner and the the camera cuts. You know, that exact moment of transition is something that I feel like our game does very well because it had it's had to practice that so much by, you know, sealing those seams together. Um, yeah. And uh, God, I keep losing my train of thought. <laughs> You're my talking about it? Like all over the place <laughs> today. 
we did have you like come home and sit down and <laughs> just hop onto the podcast. So uh, you were talking, you were talking I, about the I, uh, scene transition. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, but it's 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 interesting because I feel like uh, I believe it was one of our principals, the uh, principal designers, Cindy, talked about this in an interview at I think it was like Gamescom or something like that, where she was talking about how um, there are inherent uh, drawbacks to both uh, traditional set. I guess le- what you call it level design yeah. and something more procedural, uh, you know, up, up to and including stuff like, uh, like binding of Isaac, you know, and enter the gungeon stuff like that, where it's, you know, all tiles all the time that's, that are just, you know, held together with the door. Um, but you know, one of the things we really tried to consider and, and learn from with our, our first project was, was where those things do particularly well and where they fall short and how, you know, how those two different, styles of game design can really complement each other and and create uh i guess uh the, you know more of an even ride while not sacrificing that feeling of exploration and that that constant feeling of discovery because you know you get stuck in uh you start you get stuck in story mode and all you have to do is generate a new um adventure mode campaign and you can go grind for resources for as long as you'd like and then you come back, the boss is still the same level, and you 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 know wipe them out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I think that I think that we managed to cut out a lot of what I'd describe as run back from a kind of more traditional RPG system, uh, where where you have to spend your your XP. I guess in in that kind of broader Souls like yeah um, yeah genre that is is kind of just widening by the day, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, it's, I, it's an interesting it's an yeah, interesting design just, perspective. I think it's just I think it might just be easier to do like in a single player game. Thinking about mm-hmm. now, like if something's if it just happens, like oh we didn't catch this mm-hmm. during testing, where mm-hmm. this weapon and this mod have higher than intended effects. It's a single player game at the end of the yeah, day. Exactly, and that's so gonna, that's where I was headed with that. Basically, is that um. You know, because we don't have to consider the experience of using a weapon both against an enemy and another player. Yeah. It's, you just have that, or I guess it would be this hand. You just have that PvE experience. Um, we don't need to essentially consider the viability of weapons against each other in the yeah. same way. You're not dropping into... Those- not dropping into PvP with that same effect. Yeah, and exactly. it's like, why aren't we just using this weapon now? Like, <laughs> exactly. But like when it comes down to it, if you have a PvP meta, it's going to, you know, time to kill is going to be, I guess, the primary thing. It's something yeah. I noticed a lot when I used to play like Call of Duty, you know, way back in the day. Yeah, TTK uh, is there. the main focus for any guy, yeah, anybody exactly. who's theory crafting. It's like this gun mm-hmm. kills somebody faster. It's in Destiny. It's like you have mm-hmm. auto rifles, you have shotguns, but it's always the hand cannon because it's two bullets to the head will kill you. Everything the, else the has to, in, yeah. Uh, the op in, in Counter Strike is a, is another yeah. good example, but I think that that is you know just a, a a merit of the format, and that's again totally fine. But you know, CS:GO is not an RPG. No. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that you know as a an action RPG with those kinds of like stat scaling elements and and build crafting and and uh, I guess a lot more in depth control over the way that your character functions and moves and what they can do and things like that. Um, you know, 
it, it, you know, when, when the game focuses more broadly on that, you have to account for those combinations as part of the game design. So, yeah. you know, we, you know, I did my best anyway, like while I was scripting things, considering, you know, combinations of different rings, uh, things like that to say, okay, while I'm doing this, what, what does this system benefit? I guess. Um, and if I was, uh, you know, a, a thought that kind of came up for me in development was that uh, at the, you know, due to the the way that time flows from, you know, through from one second to another, crit rate on a per second basis will always synergize with fire rate, right? Yeah. So if you, um, if you have a... Um, you know, let's say you have something like the machine pistol that fires incredibly quickly. That is going to work much better on an item that says uh, lasts five seconds than it is uh, on something that can only trigger every couple of seconds. Yeah, because, the, you know, the repeater, the lever action. It's like mm -hmm. you put those weapons against each other, that machine pistol is going to have more chances of benefiting from exactly, because that ability. Exactly, because at the end of the day, it, more bullets come out of it in a single second than, you know, something like the lever action where yeah. you have to cock it in between each shot. Um, but by that same logic, things like a like a single load cartridge or a, uh, you know, like I, 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 a single fire rocket launcher, uh, more traditionally, like a uh, the sure shot, you know, the single fire pistol, things like that, um, benefit more naturally from a cooldown because if you have a one hard cooldown that lasts a second and a half, it doesn't matter how many bullets you fire in that time. Yeah. So all you've effectively done is given yourself another proc of that item over the course of its lifetime by not firing another bullet. So I think that, I think that, you know, and then what you, you know, you create a couple of each, you know, and then the system grows. And then from there, you say, okay, here's these choice items that work off of something that's not supposed to work with these items. How can we make this stupid combination, if not good, <laughs> then at least fun? You know yeah. what I mean? Because, again, you know, good and fun are not always the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. I, I, had, I, had a, I had a question of, mm -hmm. like, and this is maybe something just, like, I haven't played a whole lot of Remnant 2 yet. Uh, do you guys good. utilize a, G a GCD? Uh, GCD? Like in, uh, in in regards to what, like item use and things like that. I, item use, like your ability usage and stuff like that. Um, infrequently, uh, our our skills are uh on a a reducible cooldown system based on your build and de uh, like depending on what items you have equipped. Uh, and then our uh mods, which are your like weapon attachment, essentially your under barrel shotgun type thing, uh, are generated by violence. I like to say, uh, yeah. you get ammo <laughs> for your mods by continuously dealing damage using uh, that weapon. Yeah, uh, substantially the primary fire of your weapon, but it also uh, charges off of other kinds of mod uh, or, mm -hmm. or damage, except for like other mod damage. Uh, but again, there's circumstances where that works and you can generate mod power off of mod damage, but that's a whole build. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a lot of wacky items in our game and I like we that. And I but we wouldn't be able to do that if it was uh, PV uh, PVP. So I wanted to I wanted to uh, circle back and I know we're doing a lot of circling back here. Something Sharky was mentioning about how he got uh, he like saw a ledge and then had to like work his way around to get to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to t touch a little bit about that and like the explorative, the explorative thing that mm -hmm. again doesn't really happen in multiplayer games. Like you have like Guild Wars two and like 
games like that that kind of reward you for actually taking the time to explore like that. But I want mm -hmm. to talk about like how you properly, I should, I guess, how you assess what a proper award a reward looks like for when you've uh, had them kind of go around, do the legwork, and then mm -hmm. boom, I'm here. Yeah. Is can the, we add on? Do you feel the exploration is the is the reward, we, or do you? Can feel we add like on the... to this? Can we add on yeah. this to the data mind class? Like, yes. oh, we're talking about Archon. Yeah. So his thing, like the whole, how do you re how do you reward a certain amount of exploration when you mm -hmm. also have a class that is unknown until somebody data mines the game? <laughs> I uh, I don't know how much I can talk about that process internally, but it's it's interesting to me that there there it is factored in, like. The the I guess the the coolness of a reward, as you would kind of put it more broadly, yeah. is you know, is not only defined by how difficult it is to get by, but also how many I guess playthroughs you would need to get some of the items that you would need to get that item. You know, yeah. so if it's yeah. something that uh, you can't get, you know, you've cleared out every puzzle in a room, but you beat a bo a mini boss that you just hadn't come across, uh, and because you had you know, something from their arena, all of a sudden a trap door in the floor opens and there's a sixth thing in there. Yeah. Um, you know, but like, in order to judge how, how cool that thing has to be, you have to say, okay, what would they have need to, what would they need to have done to get to this point? So it's like, would this take one playthrough? Would this take 10 playthroughs? Right. Um, you know, stuff like that, I feel like is really important to consider in terms of, uh, uh, like, like how satisfying a reward is because it's like, you know, again, there is that kind of, um, you know, value investment that people get where it's like, okay, this puzzle was super long and I got something at the end that would, you know, you use once and then it goes away or something like that. And it's like, Oh, okay, well, you know, now I have like, to walk all the way back here to get the thing. And that just, that just doesn't feel good. You know? Yeah. So we, part um, of what I'm, what I'm talking about here is like, do you, do you guys consider the exploration bit, the, the, the part of the puzzle as it were as its own reward or do, do, do you try to find, do you actively try to find, like, the the correct reward for the correct effort? I would say, like, so, the, the checkpoints. It's like, you've done your exploration, here's the next little clue to keep pushing you yeah. along. So that's an interesting question. That's that's a side of the development that I'm not super involved in. That's That comes more from the kind of quest and, and yeah. like, level design folks. Uh, but I can say, in terms of the gear... I, you know, I've made a concerted effort in, in the work that I've done to try and, like, tie things together in that way and make it so that, you know, uh, the the uh, reward for, I guess, a, a challenge is appropriate, at least appropriately cool. Because mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's a lot of ways, uh, there's a lot of ways to do, you know, something, there's a, a lot of ways to do a weapon right, uh, but you'll be able to tell at a glance whether or not it's cool. Yeah. And I and cool is such a nebulous word. I hate using it. It's, it ultimately but, is player uh player yeah, opinion. Exactly. I love nebula. To it, cool is the <laughs> word that I think you actually used earlier for for nebula if I remember correctly. You're just like this is just a cool gun. Yeah, it's it, cuz like, I I like the idea of hey, I can do other things like I can heal <laughs> or hide and these things will handle stuff <laughs> and help me out. But somebody else who can get that it's like oh man, that like flamethrower aspect of the primary is way too short range so this weapon sucks 
Well, like, then you get a, but then you max out hunter so you can get long shot and you use uh, that <laughs> one ring that extends your uh, like max range by 35% and all of a sudden you can hit guys with that cloud from across the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think that I, like in terms of I, I, I don't I can't think of too many games whose progression systems work like ours that aren't roguelikes, especially. And I really hope that that's something that people see in our game and enjoy is that, you know, I, I think it really does take a step sideways, um, you know, and, and, and pull I, I guess a lot of design know-how from, or, or at least in my work, when I was working on, on the weapons and things like that, I was making a point of, you know, playing games that made me think. Um, mm -hmm. One of my, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but one of my favorite um, kind of like lunch break games, I guess, is called Peglin. Uh, it is a it is a Peggle RPG. Uh, it's doing super well on Steam now, and uh, I'm convincing myself it wasn't because of me. But uh, shout out to Dylan for uh, making something that I was almost almost addicted to for some time because it's just it's just fun. And when it comes down to it, fun is an incredible resource as a game designer, and a lot of people undervalue it. Uh, in the design process, and when it comes down to it, it's like, yeah, sure, something might be a little overpowered, but if it if it makes me jump up and down and giggle like a goblin, uh, and I made it, like, I, I don't know, I, I, I think that's the kind of thing that, that games shouldn't shy away from necessarily, and I think that um, kind of embracing the, um, I guess, broader benefits of the, the game design format is something that uh, I try to do with my work anyway, but um, I have like a, I, said, I don't like to speak for other developers. I would so argue even I would argue even if something was like underpowered and it was mm -hmm. fun and made you yeah, like giggle exactly. like a maniac, like it would still be like it's challenge it's challenge run material. Exactly. Yeah. But that's what I was talking about with speedrunning earlier, is it's like uh, things that are fun but not good necessarily have a place in video games as a as a i guess community medium now and i think that that's really cool because um you know when it comes down to it it extends the lifetime of a game and it also extends the conversation around it you know like when it comes down to it a game could be incredibly difficult but if you use the right you know like combination of items all of a sudden you're breezing through it you know yeah um I found that uh, recently with uh, uh, congratulations to uh, everyone over at From Software, the Best Action Award is very much deserved. I've been playing Armored Core the last couple of weeks, and it is oh, unbelievably I just, fun. I just started so playing it again. I, re I reinstalled it's it, so trying to good. get back into it. I just finished the S-rank uh, arena missions on most of the way through the game, I think, and uh, oh my god, I... Like, right at the beginning of the game found, the, or, uh, like, was, you know, changing my build every mission, and then at one point I just found out that if I don't take Assault Burst with me, like, anything in that slot, I can fit two, uh, uh, rocket launchers and two miniguns, uh, <laughs> and still be at lightweight. So all I do is just... I saw, uh, yeah, I saw somebody... constantly, it's so uh... fun, I love it. I was watching somebody that I watched a stream play it, and they put together what they called the Joe Swanson build, where it's oh, the no. the tank treads and double mini guns and double stun needles. <laughs> so I mean, it's just they're just like, just like, hey, this is the hardest boss in the game. Being about a minute and a half. <laughs> like, I, um, 
I have so many. Uh, I have a friend actually whose Twitter I can send y'all. Um, who uh, is an unbelievable mech artist? Uh, who I, I I don't I, I don't know if he has like a like like what the size of his following is or like what work he's done necessarily, but like we're just Facebook mutuals, uh, and he <laughs> happens to be an unbelievable uh, mech designer. And, awesome. Uh, if it's who yeah. I'm thinking of, Mons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he's unbelievable, but it's like I you know, I feel like I'm almost a little bit spoiled looking at his drawings sometimes because I'm just like uh stuff like the the like two, the two like almost like moped or uh uh what's it called segway looking uh treads for <laughs> uh in, uh in in you know, like things like armored core. I'm just like, "Oh man, I just like I wish there were more wheel options that weren't just like a, a car or a tank." Yeah, uh, but the, the the selection in that game is like really really impressive, and uh, my uh, armored core felt like a ninja by the end, and that's all I was really looking for. <laughs> very cool game, very my, very cool game. My memories of armored core from when I was a wee child playing on the Pizza Hut demo disc. Yo, Yo. demo disc. <laughs> and hey, hey Gen Xers, do you remember demo discs? So I was mad because I've been hey, putting together. Do you remember? I've been putting together uh, my PS1, PS2 collection, mm-hmm. and I went and picked up Dino Crisis. And I was oh, like, yeah, dude. And I've been playing Dino Crisis on my channel, and this game has been mentally kicking my ass. This game is not like I remember it. It's actually harder than I remember uh, it. I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about <laughs> um, that a little bit, actually. That's but what I was to it said, I didn't see this thing here where it's saying it includes a demo disc for Resident Evil 3, because I like getting That's the full... Awesome. I'll yeah. getting the full like setup whenever I buy my games. And when mm-hmm. I figured out that this did not have the demo disc, I was actually kind of upset. So now I've been trying to find the demo disc on eBay just to <laughs> throw it in. I was nice. like, so, but, but I, I wanted to talk about that because I started playing on uh, Armored Core again as an adult. Mm-hmm. And much like you with Dino Crisis, like this game punched me in the mouth. Like, what the mm-hmm. hell? I can talk about some of the PS1 games I've tried to replay for my channel, some mm-hmm. of the PS1 and PS2 games. And I'm like, the ruby tinted glasses have flown off. This, is <laughs> like, this cannot be the same game I played when I was eight, it, like crushing it. There are games that hold up. There are. Mm. Uh, but when I started, when I picked up my PS2 and started playing more classic games, I wanted to play Dark Watch again, which is a game that I speak. Yo, of, the like cowboy vampire, the cowboy vampire shooter. Yeah, I picked it. I picked that, that up after so cool. I did Evil West on my channel. Mm. And I was like, I, I love, remember like, the... horror cowboy. We need more of it. Craft. It's like we need... one of my favorite. Like, we need more weird aesthetics. We need more weird West. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, I, I remember Dark Watch being awesome because it's also by Ravensoft, who eventually mm-hmm. went on to do Call of Duty. Yeah. So I was like, cool, let's put this in. Well, Raven's been around since the 90s, right? They they, the yeah, they did a lot of uh, the, uh, like offshoots of like of, the of Doom Dooms, engine. Doom clones, stuff like that. But I'm, mm-hmm. I get like an hour and a half in the Dark Watch and I'm like, this game feels awful to play. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm not going to do this anymore. Moment. And then, Honestly, oh, yeah, I'm kind of starting to understand the fascination with a lot of these remakes lately mm-hmm. because I um, haven't you know, had a lot of time to sit down and play games for a very long time. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I hear a lot of people kind of being very frustrated with everything being a a, a remake these days. And, and like, I, I get that. I, I feel that I understand where those criticisms are coming from. But with games in particular, I feel like especially around the kind of PS1, PS2 
some games could benefit um yeah because when it comes down to it you know games were so much younger as a medium that there was a lot of design information we just didn't have yeah so being able to re-experience something and imagined for what it could have been through the eyes of people who care about it a lot is a huge opportunity for artists like me who care very deeply about things uh, uh video games in particular and uh, i don't know i just it's like I, i'm hoping that it leads in a i care about a lot about this thing direction so that we can see games at their best it's a capcom sense. thing i know it is why is square cancel and o select Instead of it being I, X and Triangle like every other PS1 game. <laughs> I, have got, I literally am only used to that because I played Kingdom Hearts rabidly as a child. I am, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and so, uh, replay Final, Final Mix at some point in the near future, and I cannot wait. But we, want, we were talking about uh, game design earlier, and mm-hmm. the thing that is pissing me off the most about this game and kind of like having me toe this line of do I love this game still or do I hate this game now? Mm-hmm. is the fact that unlike Resident Evil, where if you clear a hallway, you clear a room and you have to go back and forth, the zombies are gone until the next big event happens. Mm-hmm. And then things will start to, you know, respawn in as you go to new areas. Yeah. These dinosaurs just are there every fucking they time. They're always there. Does it and they can... like infinite ammo resources to deal with them? At no, least? I struggle finding ammo on. There's normal <laughs> Jesus, and there's. That's rough. There... OK, so there's normal and there's easy. I'm playing on normal because that's the intended experience. There's a con- there's a continue system. First of all, if you die five times without having like a self revive, the game's over. Like it's an oh, arcade game. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's. Cool. I forgot it. I forgot about that originally. So I was like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. It's hard to find ammo on normal often, mm-hmm. uh, and the dinosaurs have a habit of respawning in locations, mm-hmm. but they also can come into rooms. That they can, open doors. They can pass oh through God. doors. Opposable so, thumbs. Like, so I'm like playing this game, like struggling, burning through healing items, just kind of trying to run past things. And I'm like, am I enjoying this game design or am I hating this game design? Well, I, I feel like there's a big difference between um, a good natured challenge and a uh, statistical improbability. I think yeah. that there is, uh, I think that the game design is a, uh, like I said, it's like a very new, I guess, form of art, form of media, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And there are a lot of things that have never been done either right or wrong. You know, when, so when it comes to, uh, I guess what you call uh, retro, God, is that, is that PS1 and PS2 at this? I'm old. They are considered retro at the, I am putting oh, God, together, I am putting together a retro collection. I'm 34, I'm 26, man. Oh. Pain. I'm 34. Pain. I was gonna say I'm. I have almost a full decade on you, and I yeah. and pain. Uh, yeah, I'm putting together what I call my back creaking. Jesus Christ! Like I, when I say I played this game in my childhood, mm-hmm. this game released in '99. I was, I was 10 too. years old. So, <laughs> but I'm playing this. I'm like, this game is over. Mm. What? Like 14 years old. Is my math? Mm-hmm. No, my math is like entirely off on that. Uh, if that's if it was ninety nine, it would be twenty four. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like, this game is almost as old as Fanish. Yeah. And I think yeah, I was gonna say I've got two years on it. I but got, then I'm I thinking got... about this, and I'm like, would this is a game that I think would benefit from modern Resident Evil sensibilities? Mm-hmm. 
Dino Crisis is one of the games that I, is one of the only games I heard talked about in terms of like people like banging their hands on the table and screaming about needing a remake the way that yeah. they do about Bloodborne. I'm gonna see what else I have uh, in this little drawer over here. <laughs> Bloodborne is, uh, I think, the game that I hear uh, more frequently referenced in terms of needing to be up uh, like upgraded to modern software than I would say any other game. Uh, I don't know if that's just because my Twitter is built for me, but uh, <laughs> you know, a guy a guy can hope and dream uh, someday. Was, but was it you that showed me the the Bloodborne like remake where they made it like PS One graphics? Oh yeah, that's on yes, a, it's that on was, itch, uh, uh, itch.io. It's awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out my friend Lilith real quick who uh, hung out with me while I play tested that, and my name <laughs> is uh, my birth name is actually in the credits. Nice, um, nice. So yeah, I was uh, one of a couple of people that got to play test that before it came out, and it was like a really amazing process and i found a couple of spots that would have ended up becoming exploits in the in the the main game and it was just like getting to there there's no feeling like getting to bounce like game design ideas back and forth with somebody who has not not like not even necessarily opposing design ideas to yours but just different ones yeah. and the ways that your artistic process and your design process and things are just completely different from like whoever whoever's game you might be playing and um that's a big part of why i ended up in studio work was just that i have trouble with that revision process when it's like just me working on something so for me it just makes sense to you know work with a team of people who are just as committed to this as i am and you know get their feelings on it and change it and shape it and like you know scrape away parts until it's right um and that was kind of what i did with uh with sorrow you know when when we were working on remnant that's the first uh i think video game weapon i was ever involved in making like ever like had never even approached a combat system before i started working at uh at gunfire and they just uh i guess saw something in me and and believed in me and like were willing to take the time to uh teach me to do things the right way and um it ended up being you know getting passed through enough hands and kind of seeing this revision process get done you know thoroughly and for long enough that we ended up with something that feels really really good and um i love the collaborative process it's amazing it's it's something that i i really did not get out of outside of a couple like amazing opportunities like uh like dread x collection and uh you know haunted ps1 everything i was involved with there um it's just, uh, you know, it's like, it's, there's, there's something to being able to be like, hey, I have an idea, and having someone be like, hmm, here's what I think about that, that you really just cannot get on your own, and that's why I feel like social skills and networking and things like that are so important in games as, like, as an industry, is that, yeah. you know, you're going to be locked in a room with these people for several years, uh, and uh, hopefully not start to hate them at any point. Uh, I lucked out, because my studio's awesome, but, um, when it, uh... you know, we're talking about... Go ahead, Doug. Uh, we were talking about games uh, that were that both have gotten really hard over the years, mm-hmm. like Armored Core and Dino Crisis. I wanted to bring up another one that's coincidentally also from software, Kingsfield Two. Jesus yeah. Christ! It's one of their hardest games, but it's also like this is the prototype of everything that mm-hmm. would become. Yes. The Dark Souls that we love, 
and I struggle yeah, on. I always, I, being from software, having a very abusive relationship, I buy all of their games. I get to the first boss, they beat the shit out of me, I stop playing it. <laughs> so, I got stuck on Valteus the first time I played Armored Core, if I'm being perfect. I just didn't have the time to sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to change my build six million times. I haven't I gone back since the nerf. sell stuff back to the, uh, <laughs> yeah. back to the uh, store for the same price. So also, just if a little sad. that, I feel like it would have just like... There's a little side thing. I forget I actually have the physical disc of this when it first came out. <laughs> like, you are the, the second person I've met other than my college roommate who has a physical copy of that game. That's man, I really want that. I really want that save the world mode, but they're so <laughs> they're making so much money right now on everything else that I don't think I'm ever going to get it. So I will say as a as a designer, Fortnite is uh like a game that I have studied in the past, just because I feel like they're, you know, regardless of how you feel, you know, feel about it personally, there are things that the game does very, very right from a design perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, like I was talking about earlier, it's like, even if it's a stinker combination, just by the merit of something, you know, just not going well together automatically, like as long as you can make that like a still a fun experience for the player, they'll you know keep coming back for it and i think that that's something that fortnite does really well is, i mean i've know, gotten back into it that kind of cool innovative player player experience yeah i've Lots gotten back that. into it in the last few weeks like i played uh, a little more frequently uh i haven't played it in a long time but i don't know talking about uh recently as you all know we just had the game awards and a game like baldur's gate one game of the year and i can only imagine the madness that went behind that whole design process uh God, but then you yeah. have a game a game like alan wake 2 which i'm currently playing right now but i want to understand like if you as a if you were a studio because i played alan wake 1 which plays completely different from alan wake mm. 2 and i'm like how do you even approach like saying how do we do we change an engine and do we like fully commit or do we change a style and fully commit to this knowing that it's going to be different from what people expect from us? Mm -hmm. Well, I've noticed a really big trend in the industry since uh, Doom in particular, like the like Doom 2016 was the first time I noticed it personally. I mean, this is like I, I I'm also not like I, I'm up to date on on a lot of video game stuff now, but I, mm -hmm. I was very disconnected from. I guess the medium growing up because I, I wasn't allowed to play a ton of video games. But, uh, you know, the first time I really noticed it in like a modern context was the way that they approached the the Doom remake, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Doom 2016 specifically. Um, because when it comes down to it, it's like there's a lot of ways that they could have made that game, you know, they, like especially considering how absolutely like packed the 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 doom modding community is and i am so thoroughly blown away by i guess the greater boomer boomer shooter community in general but, oh i've, you know, I've doom fallen in fallen back uh, in love with it like everything that comes yeah. out of that community i play or put on a wish list it's so mm -hmm. that in the survival horror community like there's a bunch of old psx style mm -hmm. survival horror games in the pipeline and i'm like just all mm -hmm. of it just give me all of it <laughs> like and I, I i've met a lot of those folks and they're all absolutely worth supporting like the people who are making these uh these kind of really uh innovative indie projects a lot of the time are you know, just like people making something they really care about out of their bedroom, mm -hmm. and and those are becoming some of the most, I guess, influential market that you know games on the market. And I think that that's really cool. I have a feeling we're headed towards like an indie horror, like indie video game horror. Oh, it's a renaissance. Uh, Blumhouse, 
movie yeah. run because I, I know we're getting like an iron lung movie and a, uh, we'll, we'll say a24 a24 has been on a, yeah, a yeah, roll yeah, yeah. too a24 um but yeah i would love a series of a24 horror movies based on indie games but um you know i feel like there's like a whole space being explored right now by these like micro indie developers like you know the haunted ps1 folks mm-hmm. and, you know uh you know I, you know all these amazing like smaller communities that are 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 largely full of like marginalized developers to people who are like aren't able to get work and are just throwing their artistic portfolio at the wall and hoping it eventually sticks um but you know i'm i'm really glad to see a lot of these people are able to kind of sustain themselves independently off of just making the things that they care about and uh, as a as a developer i think that's kind of the dream honestly is to just be able to get you know be able to sustain yourself to you know off of making the kind of thing that you want to make because you know it will kind of, uh, I, I guess, gel with other people, like give them the experience that you're looking for them to have. The, the sincerity um, of it. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think that's one of the really interesting parts of like Patreon becoming this essential part of the modern digital art process is the fact that people are almost returning to this like, uh, I, I think it was ancient Greece had the, the like patron system where they were essentially yeah. people with money would just pay artists whose work they respected so that they could see more of their stuff in the world. And I think that's, I'm sure that's the operating principle of places like Patreon and OnlyFans and things like that. Um, But, you know, for me, the collaboration as part of the art form is so essential to my enjoyment and my ability to, you know, iterate and and create things that, you know, I guess haven't been created before. Um, You know, it's just like, it's so important to me to be able to do that with other people. Because yeah. I did it solo for so long, I just, I know that I need to be able to, like, rubber duck things and, like, bounce ideas off of people and workshop stuff and send it to seven or eight different people before it even goes to, you know, goes to pitch or whatever to see what they think and whether it's feasible, and, you know. It's it's also something to be said about, like, doing both, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you do the you do the solo dolo thing for, for however long, and you're like, okay, these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you go to a collaborative project and you say, these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses. And then by and then by the end of month one, you've completely rewritten both sides of that list because you actually realized that the only thing holding you back was a completely separate issue that you now have to <laughs> tackle from scratch. Yeah. Being a developer is really fun. Uh, I've learned a lot of uh, horrible, nasty secrets about myself uh, in the last three years or so. Uh, that have made me a much better developer and a better person, but God, were those painful lessons to learn. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've recently been following oh, a uh, your craft, baby. Yeah, I've recently been following a uh, creator. Uh he used to work at Blizzard, his name is Thor. He's a pirate mm-hmm. software. And he has a whole thing. It's like you can anybody can be a game developer if they want to put the time into it. And some of the mm-hmm. examples he's like, uh Doki Doki Literature Club was done on a like python i think it's like a python based like visual novel engine i actually went to i actually went to college with that guy he's uh my college roommate played competitive smash against him for a long time (laughs) and Uh, and that's that's actually how i found out about doki doki literature club but it's funny because he's also like you can also be a dev and not you don't have to know the best coding as long as you know you can get it to work because he points to undertale undertale everything in undertale is in a giant if then statement like every single line of code in that game I will and i'm say, like I that is that's horrific one of the big, that's one of the big <laughs> pitfalls that i fell into as an uh, as like a hobbyist developer before i went pro was that uh everyone tells you how to make games wrong 
and no one tells you how to make games correctly. Because yeah. if and 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 my my cynical brain tells me that that's so that you know the pool of of people who are able to do the thing remains small. Uh, but in terms of altruism. <laughs> I do really think that obscuring that process to some extent is going to benefit the industry in the long run because at that point it will be more complicated and uh less feasible to create things that are you know easily able to fool the public into you know funding when they have no plans on delivering the thing. Um you know I feel like that's something that's very easy nowadays especially because of uh like stuff like Quixel mega scans in Unreal where you can just create photorealistic environments like instantly by dragging models in and the technology is fascinating but the implications of what it could do to the medium are i don't think being talked about enough it there's the Um, game that's coming out the body cam like first person shooter i think it's like uh i have uh like record and it's like it's showing like unreal 5 can do pretty much like photorealistic like visuals mm-hmm. in a way and it's like oh, this yeah. is it's how you're going to this is the game you're making with that though hey, please like I, buy I camp very, game I, I think it was I, it was one of my twitter mutuals i think posted something about this and it's like we are finally getting to the point where technology is not i would argue not necessarily advancing quickly enough for the jumps to be shocking the way that they have been from like ps1 to ps2 or ps2 to ps or yeah. shit you know uh uh super nintendo to nintendo 64 like that's mm-hmm. huge yeah. uh those kinds of jumps are in my opinion uh kind of over like uh, outside of uh you know i guess putting more entities in a in an area or making things look more realistic you know, technology going forward isn't fundamentally changing the way that we approach games, the way that the jump from 2D to 3D. Visually, we've reached almost like a plateau, Mm. and now it's coming down to a gameplay aspect rather Mm. than a visual aspect. But where, like, you know, recreating someone else's movie one-to-one would be, you know, objectively plagiarism, those same kinds of design rules I don't think are, are produ- as productive when it comes to work in the games industry because when it comes down to it, the player is an essential element of that design. So if, if I need to fundamentally change my approach to design every single time I create a new project be- just because another game has already done something uh, what is arguably the most effective way, it's like, you know, why would you break what's or why would you fix what's not broken you know yeah. like as long as i'm not dark siders when we look at that i'm i i, I, oh, I, I, don't, I have some I, thoughts on dark siders <laughs> like <laughs> i i love dark siders personally i i have not been a, around long enough to have a real opinion on dark siders but it is a it is this the franchise that made me want to work at gunfire i think that it is so distinct and so fun and it just demonstrates this unbelievable um, set of priorities when it comes to storytelling that I find personally uh, really sticks with me because, um, you know, it's it's hard to get invested in a story. I've been thinking about this recently when you don't have any grounds for, uh, I guess, the, the, the basis of the fiction. Um, so when it comes down to it, if you were going to reference you know, real life subject matter, you might as well do it in a way that allows you to express your individual style and the kind of story you want to tell while using 
words that people might know as a touchstone for the kind of, you know, ideas that they represent. Uh, and I think that that's what I love about Darksiders so much is that it's archetypal. It's, yeah. it's this clash of ideals, and it's not so much a, a direct character drama like, I guess, something like The Last of Us. It's, it's, it, is a, it, is a, it is a very simple story of uh, evil triumphing and good getting really, really pissed off about it. Um, I, I love everything that Darksiders uh, holds dear. I think that its sacrament is honestly just so, uh, it, 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 it like transcends this kind of dorkiness that a lot of early 2000s media falls into with the, you, you know, you see, you tend to th see things that are just focused on like, uh, I remember there were like 15 different, uh, like Marvel characters at some point that were just, uh, Wolverine with the claws coming out of somewhere else, like like X slash. Yeah, it's a, a ton of a, ton, yeah. a ton of uh like Weapon X clones. Yeah, uh, for Wolverine. And it's like when it comes down to it, there was an ethos to Wolverine that just sat with people, and they were like at the end of the day, their intention with that thing was to give people more of the thing that they love. And, yeah, you know when it comes down to it, I'm more an academic than I am, I guess, a, a gamer, um, whatever the hell that means these days. And Not I much. really Not enjoy, much. uh, like, rig like rigorous intellectual discourse. I love figuring out why the things that I love are flawed. And I love figuring out why people hate things. It's two of my favorite little exercises for myself. And, um, it's something I ask every time, you know, I come up to one of those situations where I'm like, oh, this is going to be a combination that's like going to affect the ecosystem. It's like if, if this is going to affect the ecosystem in a way that's not fun and doesn't benefit the players, uh, I literally like reconsider my approach to the thing. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's like even if I fix what is objectively an issue, it might make the game less fun. So if there's a way for me to address that issue and allow the fun through the filter uh you know you're it, that's a, that is my personal answer to the question of how do you keep an online or not an online but an ongoing game uh a live healthy. service yes yeah, it's not really a live service well, we, we, do, we do content releases every once well, in a while i mean while, like how do you if it's like how do you keep a live service game healthy like you have to have a stream of content to keep yeah, players and, at that and point, all you that have to have some kind of some some con you know constant reference point across players for what a baseline amount of power is and means yeah. and and what they do with that power is up to them which is why you need to think out a system like that much farther in advance because those problems tend to run much deeper once a community mm -hmm. has i guess latched onto that as what you call the meta once they've broken um, it open and optimized yeah, exactly. it but that's what, you know, that's what a lot of, you know, that's been a lot of what I've been working on since the game came out is just uh, essentially finding unintended exploits and combinations and things like that and assessing whether or not uh, or, or how I can essentially facilitate the player having the most fun possible uh, while still addressing the, the issue in its entirety. Like if it's an issue with the way the system is designed... I am more a, than happy to like, uh, like 
uh, assess it as here's where the fun of this issue is and here's how we address it so that that stays yeah well we've uh gone a little bit over an hour so before we finish up here Deca, do you have anything else you want to bring up um no i think i brought up the things i wanted to bring up for the most part uh i i think yeah, we touched on, like, exploration and the, the game design be behind, like, rewarding. And I know you're not necessarily in level design, so mm. a lot of that kind of goes to the side. Um, but mm. I also know you made you made some of the rewards for some of those explor explorative I did, yeah. decisions. Mm -hmm. um, so so I wanna... it was nice to get th at least those insights. Yeah, yeah I want to ask uh, one thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Remnant 3, are we getting a grappling hook? <laughs> you guys add in, like, a grappling hook? It's a verticality. I, I can make like, absolutely no comment on that whatsoever. <laughs> but I personally am a huge like. I I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast in the in the in the past, but any game that is able to enthrall me with its movement alone uh, will have me hooked for hours and hours and hours. Because the way that I see it, example is, uh, uh, is uh, blue. Uh, I think it was Blue Points uh, Valley. Uh, is is a game that is like. Maybe three hours long, and that everyone should play because it's great. Because I want to say, man, uh, Remnant One nailed mm -hmm. like the RPG. Remnant Two made the gunplay and everything feel a little bit better. So now all we need is that movement for three. So I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I, I can't make any promises, but I'll definitely keep that in mind. Put on a sticky that, note. Put it in the pocket. the like kitchen at the, at Here, the studio. I'll write it on the board. I'll write it on the board. <laughs> Just Sharky wants you a get, grappling you get, hook. You just, get, you just get that, uh, you get that, what do you call it, the, 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 the movement things from Attack on Titan? Yeah, 3D maneuver gear. Yeah. There we go. Grapp grappling hook. Fantastic. <laughs> Names on the board, let's go. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah uh, I, I touched on everything I wanted to. Nope. Yeah, I got nothing else. I said, like, I had some thoughts on Darksiders, but that's mostly, like, how do you do... Legend of Zelda, God of War, and then it's like you do the same thing, but then it's like, here's some weird RPG elements, and then the third one's just, here's some Dark Souls-like variant, and I'm like, can you guys just find like, the that's thing? The thing. That's, <laughs> like, the, that's the thing that I, 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 I found myself loving about the Darksiders series as I was playing it, because Darks, like I was saying, you know, I, I didn't come to Gunfire to work on Remnant, I, I came he, like here having played Darksiders and yeah. really, really loved it. Um... You know, and I, I think that it was that priority on knowing what it is about games that the people at the studio really love and being able to hook into that kind of thing. And then, you know, again, it's like what Doom 2016 did, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I love, you know, uh, let, let's say, uh, let's say like, you know, like I was talking about movement, you know? Yeah. So when it comes down to it, it's like if I'm going to design an item that's fun for me, I'm going to throw something together like uh, Tomb Dweller's Ring, where it, it makes it so like the more you vault over obstacles and stuff, the faster you run, you know? Yeah. So it's like it, 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 it motivates you to traverse areas in interesting ways in order to gain the maximum benefit from its use. So yeah. even if it's even if it's a little bit clunky to get started you know, it gives you one of the best movement boosts in the game as long as you are willing to lean into it. Yeah, and just I think uh, that that's kind of the core of Remnant and, and, and that's, like the fun of building it. Uh, that's a, another game. It. Doom knew that it got better with uh, with movement and they added a grappling hook, so just oh, saying. <laughs> just yeah, saying. honestly, the meat hook is genuinely one of my favorite video game weapons. I think it's such a good idea. I could talk about Doom forever. <laughs> just 
saying that we're going to have this on record this is episode what 65 of the podcast just if remnant 3 has a grappling hook i'm going to link this and say i did it (laughs) so it's my my other uh it's my other favorite uh fun fact about myself is that my dad uh paid part of his college tuition winning doom death matches fantastic uh, during some point in his uh academic career and i think that it is quite literally in my blood to be doing what i'm doing i I mean we've done I mean, I think all of us here have had some kind of history with with just gaming in general outside of just our personal enjoyment. I mean, Deck and oh, I yeah. ran oh, yeah. running league tournaments You in mm-hmm. the actual game development field. Like, it's just something that I think everybody enjoys, you know? Mm-hmm. Even if they're just playing it for fun, they're eventually going to do something else mm-hmm. uh, in that saying, field. If anyone needs a social yeah. media coordinator, me, me and Sharky, we got you. No, I don't even post on my own Twitter at the time. If you need a production <laughs> guy, though. And I, I, yeah, I, can say, do I think that that's, that's one of the things I've been thinking about recently, just before we go real quick, I just kind of want to like address the audience. Hey, you, Hey, you person watching this. Me? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You guy on my guy on my screen right now. I um, got to where I'm at right now in my game design career after five years of really, really hard work. And obviously the, the methodology isn't the same these days, but um knowing why you want to do what you want to do with your life and, 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 and understanding fundamentally what it is about your craft that fuels you uh if you have something like that that you do creatively i would suggest that you spend all the time that you can sharing that passion with other people and and like honing that craft because i i stayed up till routinely till four in the morning you know every night through my last two years of college pushing to get my portfolio ready to Mm -hmm hopefully eventually someday have a job and the fact that it all paid off that soon is you know makes i would call myself i don't know if if lucky would be the right word but i I i'm very grateful for the like opportunities that i've had but i I just want like everyone listening to know right now that it, it can happen for you your dreams are probably not as crazy as you think they are and there's almost always a reasonable route to succeed in the things that would be fulfilling for you to do with your life so i mean don't don't let anyone tell your your dreams are stupid i mean look at us like you're in the field of game design after working so hard on it deca's run communities and it's still it's like transitioning that to like D games and planning and stuff like that mm-hmm. i mean i've been making videos on youtube for the last 11 years almost nice. like it, it's just i've only recently started getting better at the production mm-hmm. side of it like actually sitting yeah. down to learn things it's yeah, you can and... just just sit down and do it you know like yeah, I, I, oh one God. of the one of the pieces of really advice great. that i heard is do game jams mm-hmm. but don't do no, game absolutely. don't do game jams with the intent of making a game that you can sell no, you will I learn you will learn how to make a game and you will learn what works and what doesn't work and then the mm. next time you do a game jam you'll carry on that knowledge and then you'll mm. carry it on again and eventually you'll be able to put a game together that you can feel comfortable about marketing and selling mm. it's because you're gonna have to learn what doesn't work first well when it comes down to it what a, what a game jam is really good for is fu- like i was talking about earlier is practicing your fundamentals the, the yes. game jam is is a proof of concept it's not the concept it's an excuse to explore one game mechanic that you think might be a good basis for your wider project not mm-hmm. the project itself everybody always says to ne- never make your first project your dream thing uh because you learn so much along the way to even getting it in, into anybody's hands that it would have been better if you just waited three projects before you did it and just like used other stuff as practice. Uh, 
that being said, don't be afraid to put those kinds of things out. I can track a game jam I did that was one of my first published works literally directly to my current studio job at Gunfire. Yeah. Um, as long as you are able to make the connections and be kind and help and helpful and, and you know, make a make a, a, a good community member of yourself, you know, for other for other developers, they'll they'll they'll, you know, go they'll bend over backwards just to help you, you know, get your start. And uh you know, I, I'd imagine that that's probably true of a lot of different artistic mediums, but I don't know. I, I'm very much an advocate of not giving up on on what sound like goofy dreams as long as there's a way to sustain yourself, you know. Um, and I mean, so, yeah, indie just, game. Uh, keep keep on keep on pushing. Push smart, not hard. Is all I'm saying. And I mean, who knows, man? It, do a game design. Do a game jam. You could eventually meet a bunch of friends. You yeah. want to oh, make a yeah, game. And, oh, hey, look! I need somebody to do music. You will, make, you will meet some of the coolest people you have ever met in your entire life if you go out yeah, to like an on-site game jam. Especially, but it's also like in a professional sense. It's like, oh, I've made this mm. game. I need some music. Hey, mm. you're looking for somebody to make music for in this game jam. Mm -hmm let's exactly, work something yeah. out and then it's, it's like you know it's a forum where people are able to share those kinds of needs with each other yeah and, uh, so and the, the collaborative process when it comes to micro indie is like unlike anything i've ever experienced as well but like in the in, in a completely different way it's just like camaraderie to the nth degree and a lot of um unbelievable like auteur um like game making gets done in those kinds of spaces it's very cool i think it just comes down to the belief of don't be afraid to fail because mm -hmm. if you fail, you you haven't failed at doing something. You just found out how not to. And also, what is it. failure? I mean, even if you make something that is you've you've learned something, margin, you know, at like a crap game, it might be somebody's favorite game out of the entire jam because that kind of game is what they were looking for. Yeah. You know what so, I mean? So don't be afraid to feel like you didn't accomplish a lot. Then it's like, mm -hmm. hey, you've you finished you, a you game something. And as long as you are learning from it, it, it is never bad. Yeah. Like if you learn, you're not wasting your time. There is no bad art, just art that expresses uh, I mean, feelings that are less refined. I mean, look at me. I started making YouTube videos at 23. I'm there you go. 34 right now, and I've just gotten to the point of it's like, oh, cool. I know how to do a bunch of this shit in like OBS, and I'm learning how to like figure out all this shit, and I'm learning better editing processes and mm. all like stuff. And I was like, that's all been in the last two years. So, I mean, it took me nine years to kick myself in the ass to stop being stagnant about it. You know, like it took me almost failing out of Rutgers to get my <laughs> ass in gear and like get my my career. Like said, it took me an extra year to graduate because I was just I, 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 I almost I failed out of the engineering school and I almost failed out of college altogether. Uh, I went through eight majors before I settled on uh it and and like social sciences and you know all this my my degree isn't even in game design so my um, job my job i'm an electrician i have a degree for website design cool. like and i mean the thing yeah, is like i'm doing these guy. i'm doing these i've been doing these videos for the last decade while having full-time jobs all over the place so mm -hmm. it's like trying to fit that in and it's like you can do it if you just you know have the drive to do it and and i i gotta say there is uh some limitation to that and i have to speak to that personally because yeah. I'm, I'm you know motor disabled i'm i have ptsd and i have fibromyalgia so it's like a kind of mental body you know mm -hmm. one two punch um there is a point burnout is so real and is so yeah, dangerous you gotta take care of yourself the absolute uh the absolute uh like run killer when it comes to careers in game design because if you're not 
hyper vigilant about making sure that you're taking time to relax and doing things for yourself, you won't know when you're burnt out. Yeah. Um, it, it's and not that's... like, a, oh, I'm burnt out now. It's like, a, it, it, it's it just, you're just there. I mean, um, that's what's hit me multiple times. I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, and yeah. even even this week, it's like, okay, cool. We're going to record on Tuesday and I'm going to stream on Wednesday. And it's like, hey, can't do anything on Tuesday. Can't do Tuesday. Can we do Wednesday? And I was like, all right, let me swap these streams. Then it's like, I can take a night off mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. to, to no. reset. Like, it's one of those things For like, sure. missing a day is not going to affect me because I'm not a full-time streamer. I'm not a no, big absolutely. content creator. But And, and, and I think I, that when it comes down to sustainability in terms of making internet content, I think that the, that not live streaming actually does you like a huge service. Cause not having to maintain that schedule, like having to maintain a, st- a stream schedule seems like it undoes all of the, in my, like the stuff that appeals to me about work from home. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you do have I to push like yourself to on a set schedule to be fair. I don't think naturally. So, I mean, anyway. I try to, I try to do weekends. I try to do it for three mm-hmm. hours. I know that if I go above three hours, I start just sitting here and like not feeling the urge to talk to anybody mm-hmm. and the streams, like energy just mm-hmm. drops. Yeah, I, remember, so. I remember I would get, get to around the four hour mark when I was uh, streaming uh, like the demo disc and all of that stuff. And uh, uh, it, it's exhausting having to keep up. Uh, also, it having is. to like, you you've talked to me like outside of like a camera space i don't really change that much like yeah. i don't code switch super oh hard. no i don't have a lot of energy too when i'm on live stream like i'm a very but relaxed I can't imagine having to maintain that like hey guys how are you doing like whoa like thing I all the all the time it's just so not me as a person and hey. uh i don't know i pride the, myself I'm on by people who are able to keep that up it's it's just so not me I pride myself on not being that kind of person. You guys come in and it's mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to be a comedian. I'm not going mm-hmm. to be one of these full-time streamers. I'm a guy sitting on the couch next to you playing this video game. <laughs> that's the energy yeah. that I'm going to bring to the stream. So yeah, no, I mean, and that's, that's totally fair. See, I'm, it's funny for me because I'm the opposite. I'm always like ra- wearing myself ragged, trying to uh, <laughs> like be at full energy for everybody all the time, especially when yeah. there's like a camera on me. But I don't know if that's just because I grew up around the internet and I'm like, oh, yeah, camera's always watching. Ha ha. Truman show or whatever, Truman you know, show. Gen Z uh, mindset is a nightmare. Surveillance oh. state, whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It's just been like, uh, you know, I, I, I've kind of been aware of that forever, and it's just been like a factor in my whole life. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually. The topic of state surveillance is where we will stop. Recording. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> please don't let me get, please don't let me start ranting, oh my god. To the NSA agents watching this podcast, yeah. thanks, you guys have been this awesome. Has been, this has been the No Context <laughs> Podcast. This is the Without Context Podcast, y'all. Tune in from the van outside my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, uh, I mean, I always love having you here, fan and talking oh, yeah, game design. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Such a good time. I, I love hanging out with y'all. Maybe the straight. next time, maybe in what four months when we get you back on, I'll probably finish the DLC hey. by that time. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you it, you're you're always welcome to ask me like build questions and stuff because I, I love hearing about people's like kind of process of like finding items and swapping them out and stuff like that. So if if you have any like uh like cool finds that suddenly made your build i'd love to hear about them especially Absolutely. either uh, here or over on twitter at fan and valentine haha <laughs> self promo yeah uh as always uh fans links will be down below uh i'll probably put your twitch and also your itch.io page if they if anybody wants to check out your older games you guys yeah. can find me down in the link tree i do live stream more frequently now during the week we we're currently playing through alan wake 2 it is fantastic but oh man that is a long game so 
Don't uh, worry about my links. You get get there two links. Yeah, I, the, I have a Patreon does, that I haven't updated in forever. Yeah, and <laughs> you have half a D and D campaign on this uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I'll yeah, get I'll get another half. Uh, also, uh, if you're watching this podcast, Deck and I also do a wrestling podcast uh, that pops up uh, at least once a month based on pay-per-views and everything with our friend Xavier. Really cool guy. We'd love to talk wrestling with him. And uh, yeah, so Bannon, thank you for joining us. I know uh, we invited you back months ago, but things have just been kind of hectic. So it's nice yeah. to finally have you here. I keep getting grabbed by the ghoulies every time I try and hop on a call with you guys, and then I disappear <laughs> for another six weeks. But that's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz. And but finally, it's great to finally have you here with yeah, us. Absolutely, I would love to like come on like literally whenever y'all want to have me. Uh, been trying to like you know live life a little more and work work a little less. So I'm always happy to you know hop on for an afternoon and just talk shit. You know. I, absolutely i i have a dream of actually being at because i've been to your house before actually going to your house and just like recording from there totally <laughs> just like I, uh, different rooms it's funny i've been like i got a i got i got in my head a long time ago about like you know like oh uh, you don't have enough interesting stuff to say to start a podcast you know because everybody you know, for you've been on four episodes here I think yeah. I have enough interesting things to say. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, the more I think about it, the more I think it would, it like, it like talking about stuff is something I just love doing. So, like, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Anytime y'all want to have me, I'm, I'm more. Back than I when I, uh, back out. when I played Magic: The Gathering, this is definitely uh, like the I'm kind of. Learn. This is definitely like the kind of crew that I would sit at like 2 a.m. at a Denny's with and just like oh, talk yeah. about stuff. <laughs> like, we, uh... We've started. Uh, if you, if I could trouble you to bleep this out, it's just like uh, I don't want to dox myself. Uh, but uh, fiance. Lady well, before you started... before you go, we'll just end the podcast. Then. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> so... yeah, 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 yeah. All good. Right. It has been. This always happens. We're always like uh, three hours later, and it's like no, because I anyway, think if you're if we're getting into if we're getting into more of like the personal side, mm -hmm. we'll end the podcast here and just talk about that good off idea. camera. So cool. thank you all for That's watching. Good. All the links will be down below. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, we have it on Spotify and other audio mediums. If you're listening to this on an audio medium, we do have a video version here on YouTube. So you guys can listen to us in your car ride or at your computer or whatever. And yeah, uh, I think this is the last episode we'll have until the new year. Uh, finally. So this is the year end episode with you, uh, Fannin. <laughs> Since... Uh, I well, I guess I'll see you guys next year then, right? Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just like, same thing. It's like, we're going to get Haley on. This is the end of the year episode. And then, like, after we finish that, you message Justin. You're like, hey, guys, I can get on. Hey, guys, it's, uh, it's Sunday night, and I'm really manic. Do you guys want to talk about video games for three hours? And Let's I'm like, this. we can get him on. He'll be the year end yeah. episode. So. Oh, always. Glad to, glad to finish off with a bang or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. if you want to uh, have me back in like three weeks for the first episode of next year, let me know. Absolutely. Ends, baby. So thank uh, you all for watching. We'll finally let you all go. Take care, everybody. Have a great holiday season. Have a safe new year. And we'll see you all in 2024. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Without Context podcast. If you want more content, please follow us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash at WC Network. If you want updates on the show, follow us on our Twitter at WC Pod Network. Additionally, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Without Context Podcast.